0: Hey everybody, welcome to Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Andrew. I'm Tara. And this is part 39. I'm 40.
1: And... Is it 40? Yeah.
0: Alright, uh, this is part 40 in our 3,726 part series wherein we randomly select a movie from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, watch it, do a little research, and then tell you what we thought and found out.
1: Yeah, last uh, installment we watched and discussed some Like It Hot, which we both liked a whole bunch.
0: Yeah, very uh, very progressive for a movie from 1958, surprisingly.
1: Definitely. And I, I think, um, so having seen The Apartment as well, which was also directed by Billy Wilder, with screenplay written by him and the same guy, I.I.L. Diamond, not shocking that it would be progressive, but it's just like how much so
0: kind of took us both by surprise. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. A a pleasant surprise.
1: Very pleasant. So, uh, as always, we are honor-bound to watch whatever movie we select. As long as neither of us have seen it, we're stuck. Uh, We do have a couple of exceptions, which you can read about on our website if you're interested. Otherwise, we'll invoke as needed.
0: Yes, and uh, for this episode, it is is my turn to pick. I feel like there is no way that I'm going to pick something as... Good as, as some like it hot, but uh, Don't that, curse us. that is my burden to bear. So I'm going to avert my eyes. All right. All right. stop.
1: Okay. So we're watching True Romance. 1993, 120 minutes, directed by Tony Scott. Okay. Stars Brad Pitt, Dennis Hooper, nope, Dennis Hopper.
0: (laughs) You know who? And Dennis Hooper. (laughs)
1: And Dennis Hooper. (laughs) Whoop, whoop. (laughs) James Gandolfini, Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, and Christopher Walken. Okay. Drawing not so subtly from all the great couple on the run road movies, from Bonnie and Clyde to Badlands, Quentin Tarantino's raw, hip, and overly energetic script turns a good film into a great film. Slater and Arquette get mixed up with the wrong guys and things just keep getting worse as Tarantino's screenplay hints at the genre cut and paste that made Pulp Fiction the classic that it is. Scott has never directed a finer film, Top Gun included.
0: Yeah, so that that is, uh... <laughs> promising! Very promising. For like an Andrew the, pick. For an Andrew pick, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's,
1: well,
0: it's no demon lover, that's for sure.
1: Oh, that's for goddamn sure.
0: God, uh yeah okay that that sounds good i am surprised since Mm it yeah surprised
1: that neither of us have ended up watching it at some point yeah wittingly or otherwise right
0: uh so that is something we will correct right now and uh, we will be back after this musical interview Okay, we are back uh, again after having watched True Romance, and I say it again because this is the second time we're recording this part of the episode because I fucked up and apparently did not hit uh, the record button um, after we, uh, yeah, after we were talking about for about an hour about it, the movie. I went and checked and I'm like, oh cool, everything that we just said is gone. We've it's not lost been saved. it. And like, I don't want to overstate how. Good that first attempt was but it was probably the best thing that we've ever recorded and you yeah. guys missed out on a lot of, of great uh great goofs that are gone to to the ether I guess uh
1: the greatest goofs <laughs> our uh, finest it work. was
0: it was the worst feeling looking at the computer and then being like Ugh.
1: no I don't think I could speak for like a full two minutes afterward
0: yeah and uh so here we go again yay Take two <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh
1: so if we sound a little worn yeah worn down a little bit more run down than normal yeah, yeah. please uh, please have, accept our greatest apologies pity
0: on us please we, we'll do our best So yeah, true romance. Uh, Should we just get into our rating, even though we know what each other (laughs) (laughs) has picked already? Yeah, Uh, the the surprise is gonna be gone here. But uh, the the rating scale that we use, a five point scale, starting with uh, don't watch, then maybe don't watch, and eh, and then maybe watch, and then finally at the the top, uh, don't not watch. So on the count of three, we will simultaneously give our ratings. One, two... Don't not watch. i just going to do that to you too, damn it. <laughs> uh, I beat you to it, the it beat punch. You beat me. So, yeah, on the count of three, we will give our rating. One, two, three. Maybe,
1: Maybe don't, don't
0: watch. watch. Oh, what a surprise. God, oh, I never wow. would have guessed that uh, we would have settled on that rating.
1: And I definitely have no idea why both of us rated it that way <laughs> yeah we definitely didn't talk about it for like an hour uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. oh shit i'm watching the computer so closely uh, to make sure we that probably shouldn't have was... shit
1: talked about gandolfini's corpse being used in a sitcom well
0: maybe we-, we might circle back around <laughs> to that maybe we'll we'll see
1: yeah <laughs> oh boy all right i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it okay Oh uh, uh, i am pumped for talking about this movie okay. <laughs> all right go all right so we are introduced uh right off the bat to clarence who is played by christian slater we see clarence hanging out at a bar and he's chatting with a woman clearly trying to pick her up and inviting her out to a kung fu movie marathon that he's going to and he's promptly uh turned down
0: it's it's something that I feel, like, it has to have come from, from Quentin Tarantino's, like, real-life experience. It just seems like, oh, yeah, this obviously happened to you. Like, it just seems too too real.
1: Well, the funny thing about that is uh, he did say that this was his most autobiographical work.
0: Really? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: funny you say that. Yeah. And I legit did not mention this when we talked earlier, so at least that's a...
0: That's a, it's a new tidbit. New tidbit for okay. you.
1: Um.
0: What else have you been hiding from? (laughs) So much. Don't dig under the floorboards. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You might
1: find a (laughs) spot.
0: Yeah. It's going to break down into the uh, the retail space below us if I do that. Yeah. Uh, So
1: um, Clarence is turned down and he's eh, not really too dejected. He ends up going to the Kung Fu Movie Marathon anyhow by himself with a big old thing of popcorn. He's sitting there um, when an attractive young woman sidles up next to him and uh, strikes up a conversation, asks him what's been going on. So they get to talking and he invites her out to go get some food afterward and they talk about the movie and then things are going really well, so Clarence invites this woman, who we find out is named Alabama, uh, to go check out the comic book store that he works at and she, like, is acting super excited to look at a copy of the first edition of the amazing spider-man and you know things are going a little too well yeah um they end up going in, back to clarence's apartment having sex and then like their um clarence kind of wakes up after taking a nap and finding that alabama's gone so he goes looking for her finds her out on the rooftop of his building where she wants him know that she feels really bad, but she's a sex worker who had been hired by his boss to, you know, cheer him up on his birthday.
0: Right, right.
1: So, uh,
0: <laughs> you know. And I things so have been going, like, a little too well, so it seemed suspect that he would meet somebody and she would just coincidentally like everything that he liked.
1: Like. Yeah, and, like, would be so willing to just, like, let's go, let's go fuck.
0: She'd be so, like,
1: DTF immediately. right. So, um, he's like, oh, well, that's okay. It was still a really great birthday. Probably the best birthday I've ever had. And she's like, well, the thing is, I actually really like you. So, they get to talking and uh, realize they want to be a couple. So, Alabama's like, okay, yep, I'm going to live with you. Great. This is fantastic. Uh, Clarence... Uh, asks Alabama, well, what about your stuff? Do we need to go back and get it? And Alabama was like, No, don't worry about it. Like my pimp is this really creepy guy named Drexel. He's a white guy who thinks he's a black guy. He's into some really bad shit. And then like, he beat, him, up, he beat other... up, yeah, this other sex worker and kind of threatened me if I do anything or I try pull anything. You know, he would do the same to me. So you know what? I just don't want to go there. Well, Clarence goes into the bathroom, and he starts talking to a made-up.
0: His imaginary his friend. His imaginary
1: friend, Elvis. Yeah. And, um, who says, well, clearly, Clarence, you need to go kill this guy, Drexel. So Clarence is like, you know what, Elvis, this is a great idea. I'm going to go do it. Let's go fucking kill Drexel. Clarence tells Alabama, well, I'm going to go get your clothes, and I'm going to let Drexel know what the deal is. So Clarence goes over to Drexel's place. is let in, and we meet Drexel, played by Gary Oldman, who is is ink it
0: up. Yeah, he is just like chomping on some scenery in this role, and like it's a very small part. He's only in the, like maybe the first like fifteen 10, minutes, fifteen minutes or yeah.
1: so. Yeah, and he is like
0: he makes the most of the, those. 10 he or 15 definitely minutes.
1: made the most of those minutes. Um. So, Gary Oldman, as Drexel, is, like, in this, like, silk robe, crazy, crazy robe. Yeah, he's got long dreadlocks, he's got a grill, he's got this scar over one of his eyes, and just talking like a real creep. Yeah. Like a super creepy guy. So, Clarence is like, hey, Alabama's with me, just so you know, and um, Drexel finds this pretty hilarious. And is like, hey, you can't take from me. And so, they get into this whole scuffle.
0: Clarence gives him like, here, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy Alabama out. Here's some money to like, oh,
1: that's right, let her buy her out, your contract, your fake contract.
0: Right. So Drexel opens up the envelope and there's no money in it. He's like, all right, that's that's pretty funny, but I'm gonna beat the shit out of you now, and I'm gonna go and we're gonna go get Alabama back, and that's it. That. So he like grabs. Clarence's wallet.
1: He grabs Clarence's wallet and has his ID um, out and gives it to, like, one of his his henchmen. And uh, Clarence pulls out his gun and promptly shoots Drexel in the dick. Yeah. And then not long after that, he kills Drexel, kills his henchman, and uh, runs up to one of the bedrooms where there's a, a sex worker who's, like, all freaked out. And he's like, oh, is this Alabama suitcase? He goes, sure, fine. She's too traumatized. Right. To really give a coherent answer, so he grabs it and runs off back to his apartment. As soon as he gets there, they open up the suitcase and, gosh darn, it doesn't have any of Alabama's clothes in it. It's just full of bags of cocaine.
0: Yeah. So, in his haste to get out of there, he leaves his fucking id in the hands of i, I think it's the bodyguard yeah uh, for drexel totally. like so why not just you know leave a message on his answering machine to letting him know exactly hey i'm
1: clearance i did this i, he- I killed he- you
0: he. um here's my address come get me so the main problem i had with the movie is that just there's so many people acting so impulsively not like thinking things through at all. Not at uh, small...
1: all. Not the barest amount of, of thought. Yeah. Like no forethought. No
0: forethought. And, uh, or afterthought in this case, when he just yeah. runs out of there without his ID. And so he, he gets back to their apartment. He's like, I killed Drexel. And um, Alabama is like, oh, that's so romantic, and it's like, hmm, that's maybe not the word that I would have chosen to describe what uh, just happened. Yeah,
1: I would would more be like, oh, wait a minute, I just met you, we decided that we're going to be together, and you went and killed a guy, cool, I'm just going to say that's great, and I'm going to slowly back the fuck (laughs) out of this apartment. Yeah,
0: so, like, Patricia Arquette, who, who plays Alabama, like, later she had said that, yeah, when I was reading the script i kind of had a hard time with that part of that because that didn't strike me as being romantic like maybe the fact that he was killing the mistakes that i'd made in my past maybe that's romantic and i'm like that's very generous of you but super generous not not romantic at all uh so they go and get married because that was such a romantic gesture and then uh, clarence is like we need to go have you meet my dad like i haven't seen him in three years but let's go meet my dad and We'll go on a honeymoon and get some money from him to do this. And really just like a pretense to get out of town. So they go and see his dad, who's played by Dennis Hopper. And his dad's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I haven't seen you in several years. And now you're you're back here and you've got this wife that you just got married to. And you're telling me that she tastes like a peach, which is gross. Oh, but, so gross. Um, But they catch up. They're like, okay, well, she's she seems fine. You know, I'm happy for you, I guess. Whatever. Here's $500 and go on your trip to la or hollywood and uh and as they're leaving like uh clarence's dad kisses alabama lengthily on the lips and it's just like
1: and then as soon as they stop kissing he's like you're right she does taste like peach
0: so 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 gross sorry
1: Um, i think we might need a pause for a second child's crying upstairs
0: okay keep going so you may hear like people who live around us banging on the ceiling or children crying in the background. We're just letting it go because we've already recorded this once and we just, Uh, yeah, we just can't, we can't, we can't slow down for nothing here. So the Clarence and Alabama take off. And then shortly thereafter, the mop shows up and they've tracked Clarence's dad down. And they're like, okay, well, where's Clarence and where are all of our drugs? And he's like, I don't know. I haven't seen Clarence in, in years. And, they get into this big long discussion about like how the mobsters Christopher Walken and his goons are Sicilians and how like the Sicilians had sex with black people and so they're they're black and blah 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 and of course they, they don't you know just say that you're black they they drop the N bomb like several times uh,
1: way too many times
0: yeah over the course of this conversation uh as Dennis Hopper is insulting him by by making these uh, claims just as a brief aside here like quentin tarantino fucking stop it with the the end bombs like there was this article where quentin tarantino was being interviewed and he was talking about how he loves that scene so much and whatever and he's like um the whole discussion about the sicilians uh that something that a black guy that was living in my house told me one time and i'm like "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa like a black guy living in your house that's
1: that's a cool way to refer to somebody yeah, that you know. yeah
0: yeah <laughs> like uh it just is it's like oh no i have a black friend so it's okay if i say this it's like no it's not not, not okay it's not
1: okay every single one of your friends could be black <laughs> every single one of them i'm sorry you cannot use the n-word
0: yeah and it's just like you can well let's say this you can say it but people are going to rightfully call you a racist because when white people use the n-word there's connotation behind that word when it comes out of the mouths of white people and
1: even if you think you're you're saying it as something funny and like Like, ironically it's camaraderie
0: with black people like no you can't you can't do that because
1: it's there's a certain weight and power structure that goes along with the ability to say that as a white person and and just the history don't just don't do it yeah that's our that's our soapbox Yeah. yeah this episode yeah In summation, fuck you, Quentin Tarantino, stop using that word. Exactly. Knock that shit off.
0: Christopher Walken kills Clarence's dad. They are like, oh, well, he's dead. We don't know where they are. We'll just have to figure out a different way to track him down. And then they find on the fridge there is, like, a a note with the address of Clarence's friend, uh, Dick Ritchie, who they're going to visit out in Hollywood, it's like, here, this is their address. Let's go get them. It's like, really? Like, do you you just going to leave this trail of breadcrumbs for anybody that's trying to track you down?
1: Yeah. So it's like bad enough that Clarence is like obviously not a criminal mastermind, but his dad used to be a cop. Yeah. And so he should have realized like immediately, maybe I shouldn't put this on my fridge. It's like, yeah. oh my God, he knew that these people were going to be after Clarence. Because Clarence admitted, like, yeah, Drexel got this coke kind of through this bad deal yeah, with some mobsters, and, like, the mob's gonna be looking for us. Like, yeah. oh my god, the amount of stupidity.
0: Right, but it, it keeps the plot moving, so... It,
1: it kept the plot moving.
0: Yeah. So they get to LA, they meet up with Michael Rappaport, who plays uh, Dick Ritchie, their, their friend, and they, uh fill a man on their plan to get rid of these drugs and uh dick is like well well, i know this guy elliot he uh he's like
1: in my acting class he's in
0: my acting class yeah and he he's got ties to a movie producer who who'd probably be interested in buying these drugs so they set up this uh this meeting to meet elliot and elliot is played by bronson pinchot which is just like such (laughs) a weird casting choice Even, even if perfect strangers was like still pretty popular back then or at least it was like in its last couple of years, uh, when the movie was being made, it's like Bronson Pinchot. Who, who would think to cast? I mean, he did. I guess bring he he did John a fine Travolta well back from the the depths of cultural irrelevancy, So right,
1: and he did a fine job. Yeah. in in this role, like it was. Uh, it, he played it convincingly. Yeah. So, you know, fair enough. I, I I don't think it was like a poor casting choice. It was just like initially we were, when we see the opening credits, like Bronson Pincho, what yeah. the hell? Yeah. Balky. Yeah. What are you doing? i just take a
0: look at the quick. <It> <laughs> still recording. Okay. Done. Uh... Um, so, so they may meet up for this drug deal. They decide to meet up at an amusement park and they discuss the finer intricacies of this drug deal plan while they're writing a Fucking roller coaster. Uh, so they're just like shouting at each other, Alabama and, and Clarence and Elliot. So they they hash out the plans for Clarence and Alabama and everybody to meet up with Lee, this movie producer, so they can sell off these drugs. And like Elliot is kind of suspicious. It's like, where did you get all this cocaine, anyways? And Clarence makes up this story about how he has a friend who's a police officer who stole these drugs out of the uh, evidence locker or whatever and he he needed Clarence to try to sell them because he felt that Clarence was like better hooked into the criminal underworld or something for oh, some reason or
1: or like just he couldn't get away with it yeah and he knew yeah. that Clarence had connections in LA and figured like well LA is far enough away and people there like cocaine a lot.
0: So it's all bullshit, but it, it gives Elliot this like thinnest veneer of plausible deniability that he can use to be like, "Oh, okay, that sounds like that's relatively safe."
1: Definitely it's, doesn't sound like anybody's going to come looking for this cocaine. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and and so they make a plan to meet up with Lee to to do this drug deal.
1: Uh, so we see Elliot later on. He's sort of like driving around the Hollywood Hills, getting a blowing job. From a nice lady Mm -hmm. while he's driving, and so he's swerving all over the place, just, you know, living his best life, and then cops pull up and pull him over, so Elliot's freaking out because he has uh, one bag of the Coke from Alabama and Clarence that he'd been given um, as, like, a sample, basically, So Elliot's freaking out, trying to get the woman he's with to take the bag. She's like, there's no fucking way I'm going to take this cocaine off of you. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to jail, you idiot. Right, right. And so he's like, he he keeps trying to foist it on her. And right as the cop is about to get up to his door side, Elliot, in his struggle to give it to the bag of cocaine, to the woman splits it open and it like blows all over his face. Yeah. And she's just like dying laughing. Yeah
0: it's like, well, you're, you're fucked You're now. fucked.
1: So Elliot's taken in by the cops and is spooked to no end and tries to weasel his way out of having any like jail time and whatever. So Elliot says, you know what? I know about this deal going down. Take them instead. And so the cops decide to make a plea deal with him. As long as Elliot um, will act as a mole for this deal, they might let him off. So we cut back to Clarence and Alabama, who are um, jubilant and excited, looking forward to meeting with Lee. And Clarence decides to go off and get them some grub to eat. And Alabama proceeds to go into their motel room, where she's met by one of the members of Christopher Watkins' mob. So James Gandolfini has torn apart uh, the motel room, trying to find the suitcase of Coke. And Alabama is just like holding off, not letting him know where it is. They start getting into this brawl, and he's like beating her, trying to get it out of her. And then eventually James Gandolfini is like, oh, wait a minute, it's under the bed, isn't it? So, like, how did
0: you toss the room and not look under not the bed? Not under the bed
1: once. So finally, he's like, oh, ha ha ha, there it is. And Alabama's like, you're not taking it. And she manages to kill James Gandolfini with a bust of Elvis. So, yeah. you know, one of the essentials
0: that they'd packed for their trip. Right, right. Um, So Clarence comes back to the hotel or motel room and he sees what's going on. He's like, oh, shit. And then they just kind of like blow past that and they just skip straight to the drug deal in the, the hotel. And so he meets up with Elliot there in, in the hotel. And they're going up in the elevator to meet up with Lee. And then like Clarence starts tormenting Elliot. just like, I know you're bugged. Yeah, you're you're turned on us. You're, you're an informant, whatever. And Elliot's and just, like, losing his shed. And meanwhile, the cops are, like, alternating between thinking that this is hilarious and being terrified that their bust is gonna be ruined and then... Like, immediately ruined? And these cops are just, like, such jag-offs. They, they all have New York accents, which is weird, because for, like, police officers who are supposed to be in California and L.A., they all sound like they're fucking...
1: From Brooklyn or yeah, something. Right,
0: right. And it's not like that's impossible, but it seems unlikely that all of them would every single be one like of that. them. Yeah, like they just they wanted to cast these character actors in these parts, and so they're like, "Well, it's fine. Nobody's going to care too much."
1: Oh, we noticed. But I care. <laughs> Andrew was
0: pissed. I was just like pounding my fist into my leg, just like why? Why do they have that accent? That's unacceptable. <laughs> um, movie over. I can't stand this movie anymore um
1: that's the sole reason andrew rated it um, yeah maybe don't just watch everything else <laughs> totally fine he, but he was says, totally on um, board
0: uh implausible plot that's fine <laughs> but accents no i cannot abide by that so, so finally like they uh clarence lets up that it was just a joke that he was trying to freak elliot out and the cops were like i like this clarence guy i was like really i mean you're, you're all a bunch of dickholes so i guess that makes sense that you would like something like that but i mean yeah, i'd be a little less cavalier about that if somebody was just fucking around that much um but they they get up to the hotel room and they meet up with lee uh
1: couple of great lines from lee first off who do you think i am joe cocaine <laughs> and then um <laughs> another good line he like tries a little bit of the the cocaine like make sure it's real and he's like this isn't nose garbage. <laughs> yeah,
0: Lee, one of the few likable characters, barely likable characters. barely likable. Yeah, movie. like Brad Pitt in Italy, and Lee, basically, and I guess Elliot too, to is, a degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, Clarence goes into the bathroom while everything is kind of getting sorted out, and then Elvis starts talking to him again. His imaginary Elvis friend, played by Val Kilmer, and Val Kilmer is just like referred to as mentor. Yeah,
1: I think they were trying to avoid any any blowback from, uh, yeah, Elvis's family. The
0: estate, yeah, Yeah. okay. Uh, Yeah, good luck with that, because it's pretty obvious, but I guess if you don't say specifically who it is, then just some guy in a a golem jumpsuit that uh, just happens to talk with a really specific inflection in his voice. So he's he's in the bathroom and he's talking to Elvis. And then at this point, like, the the cops are busting into the hotel room. And you can't hear this, apparently. I don't know if the bathroom has really good soundproofing. Or, or, El- or, or like, whatever. fake
1: Elvis is just, like, that engrossing. <laughs> yeah. That he can't even hear
0: it. That could be. I mean, I, I believe that if Elvis just manifested in front of me. So the the cops and the mobsters are in there now, too. And they're all just kind of pointing guns at each other. And then one of Lee's bodyguards is like... I forgot to tell you something. And he's like, what's that? He's like, I fucking hate cops. And just, like, starts shooting crazily. And it's like, again, just characters in this movie having no impulse control at all. And so Clarence comes out of the bathroom after this has all taken place. And he gets grazed by bullets, kind of in the uh, residual firefight that's going on. And so Alabama runs up to him and he's like, clearance clearance blah blah blah, and like somehow miraculously he's still alive and so she leads him out of the hotel they're both in pretty bad shape but she grabs the the suitcase or he one of them grabs the suitcase with all cash. the money in it and they make their way out of the hotel somehow with all the the police officers swarming the building and, and everything nobody really notices these two bloody bedraggled looking people suspiciously <laughs> leaving with a suitcase yeah um and then they, they get in the car and they drive away and everything is great. Hooray. They make it to Mexico and then it cuts to a few years later and they're on the beach and Clarence has like an eye patch because
1: He's it, a Mexican pirate. He's
0: a Mexican pirate, yeah. That's and, what
1: Elvis told him to do. Yeah,
0: yeah. We we're not patch. That was my Elvis impersonation. <laughs> like, we're not <laughs> That's like the only phrase I can say too. It's just like, it's like, Okay, I know how to, that's the one phrase I really have down excellently in my Elvis voice. Anyway, uh, they're on the beach, and it's Clarence in Alabama, and then this kid, and it's like, did they kidnap some child now? But now it turns out this is, the scene is taking place a few years later, and they've they've had a baby, and they're living in Mexico, and everything is great. The end.
1: Yeah, and the baby, they named their kid Elvis. They named the
0: kid Elvis. Like, uh, okay. That, we get it. Yeah. I guess Tony Scott really argued for them both making it out alive because he felt that it would uh, add to the whole sort of fairy tale, over the top ridiculousness the rest of the movie had going on, which I can kind of get. But it, we still were both like, eh, "This movie would have been better if Clarence had been dead in the hotel room." And then we saw the alternate ending that was on the DVD, and
1: uh, boy, were we proven wrong.
0: Yeah. The alternate ending shows uh, that Clarence doesn't recover from the the wound in the hotel room. And Alabama takes the suitcase and runs off, drives away. And then there's this stupid fucking monologue that I don't even really remember the details of. It just was...
1: Oh, she was just like, oh, you're not cool. <laughs> yeah, because that's like
0: earlier in the movie she'd been writing on the napkin. Like, you're so cool when he was... Really not being cool at all. Just he's just being a dipshit. Like he right throughout the entire typical movie. But she thinks that's cool. But then yeah, in this, this alternate ending, she's like, "You're not cool." It's like, "Oh, <laughs> bird, you 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 zinged him." You
1: told that dead guy. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, <laughs> Alabama. Yeah. And apparently, in Quentin Tarantino's original ending, where Clarence died and Alabama was alive, uh, he had intended for Alabama to just turn to a life of crime and join in with Mr. White from Reservoir Dogs. Uh, so we might've seen her in that movie had things turned out differently. Apparently in Reservoir Dogs, Mr. White did make a reference, a woman he knew named Alabama. Oh really? Yeah.
0: My good grief. The Tarantino verse. Good. I'm glad that that didn't happen then. Cause that just. Right. Yeah.
1: We weren't super into the movie. You might be able to tell. Yeah. Um, We're in the minority, apparently. So, first off, Gary Oldman considered this uh, one of his two favorite roles that he ever played, which, that I can excuse because, like, I'm sure it was super fucking fun Yeah. to play such a creep. Yeah. Empire called True Romance the 83rd greatest film of
0: all time last year. Uh, no, don't think so, Empire.com. (sighs) Ugh. com right not dot are you
1: probably yeah dot, yeah i looked at empire dot you <laughs> yeah it's we will have to
0: start looking at dot rule. <laughs> um, yeah it's got some entertaining aspects to it but not 83 on best movie oh
1: no yeah they said it was the cinematic equivalent of cocaine flavored bubble gum <laughs> okay
0: uh what do, what do you want it the other way around bubblegum flavored cocaine it seems like that would be
1: well if it's going up your nose right it, is that how you do it
0: you know, we, we're both <laughs> big coke heads, so how do well, you do the we drugs? did
1: see Sorry to Bother You, Mr. Bobo, or whatever it yeah, was. <laughs> <yeah>. Oh,
0: God. <laughs> um, that, I would, I'd rank that movie uh, as above number 83 on the best movies of all time, and that just came out this year. Uh,
1: so in summation, just go see Sorry to Bother You. Yeah,
0: please. <laughs> you, you really actually really should. It's, it's great. You should. The movie was really generally well-regarded. Roger Ebert gave it four stars. And again, kind of going back to the whole uh, problem that we had with his review of Funny Girl, where he said that like every other character in Funny Girl, aside from Barbara Streisand, was awful. Like he says that this movie doesn't hold up under like any amount of scrutiny. Give it any thought at all. And it kind of falls apart. But still, four stars.
1: Yeah. Mm, That's
0: (laughs) not Roger Ebert. just doesn't seem like he knows what four stars is supposed to mean. I think I feel like we mentioned him a lot. So. We do. We'll just see who's who's more right. We'll let you guys <laughs> be the judge. Yeah. Uh, so Roger Ebert, <laughs> a man who has bad decades of movie reviewing
1: and and like lots of credentials. Yeah. Or do you take a couple, sing in an apartment in Seattle,
0: we have seen like the 20 movies or so roughly? Like, oh, <laughs> that. That's enough. <laughs>
1: uh, well, this is episode. Four. 40, so I wasn't
0: watching like 20 of the movies i have seen. <laughs> and then, but more, more like, I have really only paid t- attention to the last three or four episodes.
1: So. <laughs> I've got one more thing. So, some dude who I guess writes for something called Complex, I'm assuming, named Jason Serafina, listed Drexel as one of the top five coolest drug dealers in movie history. <laughs> yeah. Let that sink in. Yeah. Top five people who think that they can talk to Elvis
0: in a movie. Uh, has that list been written? No, let's there'll be a special article special. on our website. Yeah. Yeah. This movie's not gonna be on it though, so if it's <laughs> God. Uh. You know,
1: there's so many cool drug dealers in movies. Yeah, I mean it's such like, a cool profession. In general, like drug dealers are cool. Yeah.
0: Glad to really have that quantified in a list form. So a couple of things. Hans Zimmer did the soundtrack to oh this my movie, God. and the, the soundtrack—it's like all fucking marimba music. It's like <laughs> we were watching the movie. You are like, what is? What? Who chose to have this be the soundtrack? Like, it doesn't fit tonally at all. At and, all. And like Quentin Tarantino likes that kind of tonal contrast in his movies between violence and humor and stuff. But that doesn't seem like that was. Well, we have he decision was decision making here. Yeah,
1: he didn't really, he didn't direct it or yeah. anything. So he probably had no input right. on the soundtrack.
0: It's just somebody's decision. Like, yeah, marimba. Let's, let's have that be the backing music for... For a movie
1: scenes. that's set in Detroit, LA, and ends on a Mexican beach. Yeah. Let's just have a bunch of marimba music. It sounds like you're on a fucking Caribbean vacation.
0: Right. Yeah. And then also just, it seems like such a weird... Uh, type of soundtrack for Hans Zimmer to make compared to like what he did for Inception or something. Very weird. Um, I guess the last thing that I found disturbing when we were (laughs) doing research was that uh, Bronson Pinchot, when he was uh, reading the script for the movie, he was filming, I guess the last season of Perfect Strangers. And so there was a quote from him where he was talking about uh, being on the set of Perfect Strangers and reciting the entire pussy-eating monologue in his character of Balky's accent. Like, that is not what you want to hear coming out of Balky's mouth. You want to hear these funny... Oh,
1: Cousin Larry!
0: <laughs> yeah. Gently acceptable racist uh, jokes <laughs> about foreign people.
1: Well, unquote,
0: acceptable racist. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, what they... What thought. they thought was acceptable in the 80s. Yeah. It's like, ah, uh, he's from a different place and he doesn't know how America works. It's funny. But, you know, God, God's working on all of us, like the, that I give boys like to say. So. He, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so good grief! Like really, Bronson Pinchot, like we, you, you did. We, we like you. you. You did great. We really feel like you and uh, James Gandolfini. Sh- no, I'm not gonna try that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had such a good, good goof in the first version of this episode. Oh about my god! Bronson Pinchot and James Gandolfini doing a show called Mob Buddies, and yes, how it was about James Gandolfini being a corpse and. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, It was hilarious. It, it was, was so good. It was, it was much better than I'm making oh it sound right now. God. It's gone. I'm it's so tragic. sad. But I mean, Bronson, if the idea intrigues you and you, you're listening, and I know you're listening to this. Episode, well, obviously, Bronson's so, listening. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, if you want to get in on this, you my know, buddies. We've got got some ideas in our head that we want to run past you. So that uh, you've got our email address coming up here shortly. We're, we're receptive to working with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can work with us, hey, so, hey
1: Bronson. We're amenable to working with yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> mm, we'll we'll figure out how to how to schedule you in with yeah, everything else we got going on. Yeah,
0: we're we're very we're busy. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're, we're shooting to the top. Come on, mob buddies. <laughs> my buddies, perfect. It writes itself, really. So. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, speaking of our email address, if you have any comments or feedback, or if you want to suggest any movies you think you might like, you can always send us an email at TaronAndrewVersus at gmail.com. Um, com is the address for our website where we post our show notes and all of that. You can also keep in touch with us through our Facebook group, uh, Andrew Versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, and we've got an Instagram account that we use sporadically so you can take a look at that as well
1: trying to use that more so
0: yeah go let us know what you think yeah go let us know go you go you go
1: and let us know yeah please just go what you think go let us know go and let us know bronson pincho
0: especially bronson pincho please
1: yeah so uh thank you to the fantastic seattle band boat for allowing us to use their song lately off the album setting the paces thank you boats And uh, last but not least, by any stretch, support your local independent video stores. Bronson, when you're in town, we're talking to my buddies. We'll take you to Scarecrow. Yeah. You'll love it.
0: We'll drive you there. You have to find your way back. It's a one-way trip. (laughs) That's just how we roll. So uh, (laughs) if you're not in the Seattle area, there are also other great independent video stores. And yeah, they, they would appreciate and could use your support. Yeah. Okay. I have to go to the bathroom.
1: And that's all. And
0: that's all. So
1: (laughs) So, until next time. Catch catch you later. later, Potato Potato hags. hags.